0: But this semester, we've decided to walk through the book of 2 Corinthians, and we're entitling it, Your Best Life, Your Best Life. And I think one of the neat things about the Bible is that it's not just historically accurate, although the Bible is the most historically accurate book in the world. It has the most historical integrity of its ancient documents, of its authors, of its consistency, um, of its accuracy, Um, but the Bible is also very, very applicable to our lives even today, and so I think that's the cool thing about going through scripture, so we go through um, in an expository fashion straight through the text with our small groups, and it is great, we let God speak, you know, he's way more brilliant than we are, amen, (laughs) so, but Jesus wants you in this room, all of us to live our best life. And since we believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, we think the best life advice you could ever get is from Jesus. Would you agree with that? And so we're here today to declare that. And so uh, these two students, uh, Luke and Sarah, they're going to share just a, a little story from their life. Luke's is professional. Sarah's is, is relational. And I think they're, they're really going to resonate with all of you. Um, not only thinking about when you were maybe in college, but also where you're at right now. And so, Luke, go ahead and share uh, your story with us. Hey,
1: everybody. Sorry. Hey, everybody. My name's Luke, uh, and I go to IEP in the Kelly School of Business, and I'm an accounting and finance major. Um, so I feel like I'm giving my 30-second pitch right now. Um, but anyways, uh, I'm a senior, and so my sophomore year, um, I went to this thing that we have. It's an accounting and finance meet the recruiter. It's like a career fair um, where you have the opportunity to meet some recruiters from Indianapolis, and um, speak with them and potentially get um, an interview with them. And so I was walking around as a sophomore, I had no idea um, who I was looking for, what company to look for, I just knew I wanted accounting. And so I met this company, and for the sake of uh, being the defendant in um, a defamation lawsuit, I'll just call them Company X. Um, Anyways, I met Company X at the career fair. Um, And it was great. I had a good chat with them and they invited me in for an interview. And so I went in for the interview um, and it went fantastic. Um, I I, I felt really good about it going home. Um, And so I get a call, maybe three or four hours after the interview. um, And they said, hey, uh, we just wanted to call you. We thought the interview was great. um, And we would like you to have this internship position with us um, for the following summer. And so I was like, oh, that's awesome. Yes, I got that lined up. And in the next hour or two, you know, my mind, I w- my mind is racing. I was like, oh, I got this company lined up. It's going to be fantastic. They're going to offer me a full-time job. I'm going to work there. I'm going to be partner eventually with that company. You know, it's going to be great. Um, you know, my my very quick-thinking mind on in the future. And so um, so I'm, I'm thinking through all this. And then, you know, about two, two hours later, I get a call back from the same number. They say, hey, so we looked at your resume again, uh, and it looks like, your graduation date is one year past where we need it to be. We need you to be one year older um, for this internship. So unfortunately, we're going to have to pull the internship from you. Um, but feel free to apply again next year. And so, and so, um, I was crushed a little bit because I had developed this whole plan in my mind. And you know, when plans that you develop fall in shambles, it's it's really disappointing. Uh, and upsetting and so um, you know I was I was really upset I didn't know what I was gonna do because I had put all my cards in this one basket and the accounting and finance recruiting cycle is very quick Um, if you don't get it at the beginning you're not gonna find one um, until next year and so I didn't know what I was gonna do Um, luckily my dad's company um, I interviewed with them and they offered me a finance position um, which isn't exactly accounting not exactly what I'm looking for but it gave me some good experience in the workplace Um, So while all this is going on, my brother, he has a friend, um, and they're driving along. Uh, My brother's friend's dad is driving them um, just to wherever, and my brother starts talking about me for some reason. I don't know why. Um, I'm not that cool, but, uh, but he starts talking to his friend about me, and all of a sudden, my my brother's friend's dad, stay with me, it, um, is listening to this conversation, and he goes, hey, what, is, what does your brother do? And my brother said, I think he's accounting and finance at uh, Kelly at IPY. And his dad goes, oh, cool, well, have him, send, uh, have him send me a message on LinkedIn. And so my brother came home, told my mom, my mom told me, and so I was like, okay, who's this guy? So I sent him a message on LinkedIn, and uh, again, so I'm not the defendant in a lawsuit over defamation, I'll call this company, Company Y. Um, but he happened to be the managing partner at company Y. Um, and that was incredible to me that, you know, I went from this company that, you know, didn't necessarily want me to talking to the managing partner of company Y. Um, and we had a great conversation. It was really awesome. I got to see their office, talk to one of their, um, one of their engagement teams. It was really great. And, um, then they offered me an interview. Um, and then I did the interview and they gave me an internship opportunity, um, and so I took that internship opportunity this summer. And um, and they actually offered me a full time position um, starting after I graduate. And so it was amazing to see that God had this plan, and it was completely different from my plan. You know, I thought I was going to work at Company X forever, and it was going to be great. Um, and then, uh, you know, things happened. I didn't get that. And then um, I got engaged, my lovely fiance, um, and we're getting married. And so I, I had all these extra expenses, you know, and I didn't have a job. And I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I have no idea. Um, and then Company Y comes along, and they, I mean, God provides. He he really does. Um, he takes a plan that you think that you have and you think that might be, you know, your lifelong dream or whatever. And it almost feels like it's ruined, but it's God doing work. It's God doing work through you and it's God letting his plan play out in front of you. And so it's incredible to see, um, see how, you know, one thing might change to another just because God always has a plan and he's always looking out for us. Um, so thank you guys very much. Um, and I'm, I'm, we're very glad to be here. Um, very much appreciate it. Thank you.
0: So did you get that? My brother's friend's stepdad. Um, isn't that how God usually works with our plans? We have everything planned out, everything ready to go, and it's usually the third option that we can't see yet. And I, I think that that's kind of neat. And as we were talking through, we, we meet twice before we uh, do these messages. And as we were meeting, we really you just came across, it was clear that we needed to talk about how God is an expert at not wasting time. God never wastes time. We think that we're in line wasting our lives away or we're in a meeting that's gone way too long and we're uh, whatever it is. A conversation that we're wanting to sneak out of. But God, God is never wasting time. He's always pushing it forward with purpose and redemption. And ultimately we know that he's pushing it forward to the coming of Jesus. But in our context and even in our lives, God really cares about time and where it's going. So... We're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, so if you've got your Bible, uh, get it out, or if you've got a phone with it on there, or whatever you use, um, yeah, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, we're going to read verses 1 and 2, Sarah's going to read that for us.
2: All right, 2 Corinthians 1, verse 1 to 2. This letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus, and from our brother Timothy. I'm writing to God's church in Corinth and to all of His holy people throughout Greece. May God our Father, excuse me, May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace.
0: Okay, so this first section we're just going to call it to the ecclesia. That is the Greek word for the word church. Uh, how we get the word church is from German. Uh, it doesn't even come from the Greek. It's kind of a transliteration from the German word. Um, and so. Uh, when we think of Paul writing this letter in 56 AD-ish to the church in Corinth, we may picture it making its way to a small country church out in the middle of the woods, down a dirt road with an existing structure and maybe a graveyard next to it. Or or we may, we may picture like a massive mega church, Or we may picture the church that we're in today. But in reality, when Paul is writing this this letter to the church in Corinth, It is not just um, one single building in one single location. They were actually a series of house churches in Corinth. And actually, this was going to be meant to be a letter that would travel. uh, You know, Corinth was in southern Greece. It was going to travel all the way up. And as we know with the New Testament documents, that's how we have the New Testament. Because the letters didn't stay bound in their geographical locations to which to where they were intended, right? They circulated all over the Roman Empire, and that's kind of how we get the New Testament, which is really, really fun to think about with all these letters and all these writings. The circulation is just amazing. And so I love this quote by Ben Witherington where he says the Christians in Achaia, Greece, are called uh, the holy ones, probably in part because Ecclesia literally means the called-out group. The hagios refers to those who were set apart What Christians are as individuals and what they are as a group are interrelated. The character of the individual is dependent on and affected by the group and vice versa. And uh, you may be wondering why you, you came today. You're like, why are these kids up here talking to us or whatever? But the reason you came is the same reason that we came, right? We, we are a called-out group of people. That's who we are. We are not a building, and we, we saw that in COVID, right? We're more than a structure. Um, we, we know that the early church started for the first few hundred years with just houses, no structures. And that was the power of God through the gospel, just like we talked about in Communion. And so I think one of the things I'm most excited about with our students is I'm excited to see them graduate and keep going into the local churches. Because I really believe that in the next 50 years, the students that are going to come out of our ministry are going to have a real, be real difference makers in the local church. I'm saying that in faith and I'm saying that just because I see it and I believe it. And I hope that you're as excited about the next generation as I am. I know we we have a lot of things to be negative about. We have a lot of things to be positive about. Uh, when it comes to their faith in Jesus. Not that they're perfect. But it, it really it just starts with one church member. One church member, one student. Having that one church member, that one student um, to be involved. To say I'm a part of a called out holy group of people. Uh, and to know that this time we're here together is not wasted time. Uh, this is not wasted time. In fact, it's reinvested time. In God's eyes. So let's continue in our scripture. We're going to pick up at verse 3 in 1 uh, Corinthians 1.
1: Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abo- abounds through Christ. If we are distressed it is for your comfort and salvation if we are comforted it is for your comfort which produces in your patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer and our hope for you is firm because we know that just as you share sorry just as you share in our sufferings so also you share in our comfort we do not want you to be uninformed brothers and sisters about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God, who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us, as you help us by your prayers. Then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many.
0: Okay, for your comfort, for your comfort. you check that out in that scripture? Everyone in our world today is trying to make sense of their pain. We see it reflected in a million negative ways where people don't know how to deal with their pain, so they medicate in various ways. And uh, that's how we end up with a lot of the craziness in our world today, of course. As we read through the Bible, we see that pain and affliction are being talked about in ways that might surprise us. Uh, Because we, you know, many times, we go through life, especially when we're young, trying to avoid pain. How can I avoid affliction? How can I avoid this or that? And in the Bible, we really don't see that written down in the pages. Um, Paul actually, what he does is he uses two words side by side in the sense of suffering that he had endured personally. He used the first word, thleepsis, which is the Greek word, pressure, crushing, trouble uh, trouble involving direct or personal suffering. You know, it's where things don't work out. It's when you don't get that internship. It's when a family member passes away. It's when your car breaks down. It's when someone is making fun of you for being a Christian or thinks you're crazy for being generous uh, to the church. All of these things... Are ways in which we have pressure, crushing. And then he uses another word side by side. He says, if we are afflicted, if we are crushed, it is for your paraclases, which is encouragement, calling to one's aid, the causing of comfort. Bottom line is in this fallen world that we're in, sin, sickness, and death abound. We don't have to, I don't have to give a lesson to you guys. You know, you see it. You've lived it. Um, and it abounds, but God is working to redeem all of that by comforting us in our crushing. This is so that we can turn around and extend the encouragement to someone else who is in need, and that's the beauty of Christianity. Someone else that needs your specific story, your specific experiences that will make their life worth living. Do you believe that today, that your story is not wasted, God is not wasting all of your experiences. God is not wasting your suffering. He is wanting to reinvest that in someone else's life. Your crushing is for their comfort. Your crushing is for their comfort. And their crushing is for our comfort. It's shared. We go through this together. That's why living in isolation as a Christian is just ridiculous. When you experience suffering, God will never waste the valleys. And we were talking about in our conversation before we in our preparation that we tend to never grow on the mountain. If you think about the time when you grew the most spiritually or emotionally, uh, or whatever that was, usually it's in a time of tragedy because you had no you know, other things that were going to help you. <laughs> you had to cling to Jesus or you weren't going to make it. And that's the beauty of the life of faith. Uh, so Jesus... Uh, returning to Jesus is far superior. And uh, eventually we're going to end up with Jesus in heaven for all of eternity. We're going to have a very good perspective of why we've had to suffer the things that we have. But until then, this is how we're going to grow. We're going to grow through affliction and comfort. Comfort crushing. Comfort crushing. Comfort crushing. It's just how this life is. This isn't heaven yet. But we'll get there, right? Amen. Let's uh, read the last part of our scripture, and Sarah is going to read that for us.
2: Okay, starting in verse twelve, we can say with confidence and a clear conscience that we have lived with with a God given holiness and sincerity in our dealings. We have depended on God's grace, not on our own human wisdom. That is how we have conducted ourselves before the world, and especially toward you. Our letters have been straightforward. And there is nothing written between the lines and nothing you can't understand. I hope someday you will fully understand us, even if you don't understand us now. Then on the day when the Lord Jesus returns, you will be proud of us in the same way we are proud of you. Since I was so sure of your understanding and trust, I wanted to give you a double blessing by visiting you twice. First on my way to Macedonia and again when I return from Macedonia. Then you could send me on my way to Judea. You may be asking why I changed my plan. Do you think I made my, make my plans carelessly? Do you think I'm like people of the world who say yes when they really mean no? As surely as God is faithful, our word to you does not waver between yes and no. For Jesus Christ, the Son of God, does not waver between yes and no. He is the one whom Silas, Timothy, and I preach to you, and as God's ultimate yes, he always does what he says. For all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes— And through Christ, our amen, which means yes, ascends to God for his glory. It is God who enables us, along with you, to stand firm for Christ. He has commissioned us, and he has identified us as his own by placing the Holy Spirit in our hearts as a first installment that guarantees everything he has promised us. Now I call upon God as my witness that I am telling the truth. The reason I didn't return to Corinth was to spare you from a severe rebuke. But that does not mean we want to dominate you by telling you how to put your faith into practice. We want to work together with you so you will be full of joy, for it is by your own faith that you stand firm.
0: You ever had a family member, thank you, sir. You ever had a family member that just, just got on your nerves, and everything you said, they took the wrong way? And not only they take it the wrong way, then they took the wrong way that somebody else in the family, and then that other person thinks that you're crazy, too. And uh, I think we've all experienced that at some point, if we're honest in our families. Uh, am I alone in that? Okay, all right, yeah, here we go. Now we're having church. Now we're being honest. And that's kind of how Paul was with the church in Corinth. I mean, they, didn't, they were totally unimpressed with him. And as you go through 2 Corinthians, you'll see that they didn't like how he talked. They didn't like how he looked. They didn't like how he didn't take uh, donations for his ministry. They didn't like that he was a common laborer. I mean everything about him they did not like, and especially when he wrote them a letter answering their questions and pretty much body slammed them in first corinthians and so just to back up to tell you how the kind of the church started in in, in uh, Acts chapter eighteen, this is the beauty of the chap- the book of Acts is that we get to see in context what was happening with these letters that were written so uh, the church in Corinth started in Acts eighteen and it started in the synagogue they caused this big uh, you know, Paul was always, always stirring up trouble, right? <laughs> always getting kicked out of town, stoned, uh, mistreated. And so in this instance, they, uh, they, the, the message was not received positively, but yet some believed, okay? Since some believed, they went next door to this guy named Titius Justice. His house was conveniently located right next to the synagogue. Let's go and worship at your house. Apparently, he was wealthy enough to accommodate all the people that came over. And so, that's kind of how the church started in Corinth. And Paul stays there for 18 months, and while he's staying there, uh, then he moves on to Ephesus. And while he's staying in Ephesus for three years, they send a bunch of questions his way. And then he writes a letter to them from Ephesus answering their questions, and he soon follows with a visit in person. And it doesn't go well, as we read in Second Corinthians. It doesn't go well, his return to Corinth. Uh, they're pretty upset because of the things that he wrote in 1 Corinthians. I'll let you read that book to figure out why. Um, and then, basically, he leaves, and he tells them that his plans were to come back down to Corinth, uh, Corinth, before he headed back to Judea to bring the gift for the poor in Jerusalem. Well, he got up into, into the northern part of Greece and didn't come back down. He didn't come back down. He said, in as Sarah read, I did it to spare you from another rebuke. <laughs> wow. Uh, that just makes me feel uncomfortable as someone that doesn't like conflict. Um, and so, as God would have it, Paul would make his back way back to Corinth, uh, a third time, um, and that's where he would end up writing the book of Romans, a lot of people believe. But many of us, we make our plans not realizing that they may conflict with the preferred future that God has in store for us. We say, I'm going to do this on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And we, we have all these plans and all these things that we've got going. And um, like, like Luke said in his story, We don't like it when plans don't come together. This place of disappointment is where we realize that we think that trusting God is optional when we have plans. And not that we shouldn't make plans. Not that we should chuck our calendars. I'm not saying that. You would get fired uh, if you did that. But even when plans change, God isn't wasting the process. And And what came out of it, since he didn't return back down to Corinth, he ended up writing the second Letter to the Corinthians that we're, we have in our Bibles today. I say that's a pretty good trade off from not visiting Corinth, in my opinion. Um, so, as we head into our, uh, the, uh, you know, toward the end of our message, Sarah's going to share a story and then we're going to jump back into the scripture and, and have some portable things that we can take with us. I think you're going to really enjoy what Sarah has to say as well.
2: Thank you. Excuse me. Um, so, like Andrew said, my name is Sarah. I am also a senior at IEPUI. Um also studying accounting, so you have some business business students up here. Um, so my story um, is, I feel like it's very relatable to a lot of people my age, but I think the overall message can relate to a lot of people at any stage of life. Um, so like Andrew said, sometimes when you're waiting on things, it feels like God is wasting time. Like why have I not, for me personally, um, everyone in my life is either getting engaged, like Luke and his fiance, getting married. One of my best friends is married. Um, It feels like everyone around me has someone. And right now, like that's really frustrating for me. Um, And I think that's, it can be frustrating for a lot of people. Why, you know, why do I not have kids yet? Why have I not got that job promotion yet? Why have I not, why has this relationship um, not been, not been healed yet? And so it seems like you're just waiting around, waiting for God to fix things. And so for me personally, I continuously, especially in college, uh, my first few years, got caught up in the ideal, idea of relationships and I felt like I was missing out on what God had right in front of me. How was God using me at IUPUI? I'm originally from Evansville, Indiana, so about three hours Southwest. God, why did you bring me all the way up to Indianapolis? I feel like I'm just sitting around waiting for you to do something in my life. And I felt like I was missing out on what God had right in front of me while I was in that period of waiting. Um, And so I prayed for practical steps. God, what do you want me to practically do in my life? Because you know, I, I love the church. Sometimes though people can say things like, oh, well, the right guy will come whenever you're least expecting it, or, oh, just, you know, he'll come when you're not looking for him. It's like, okay, that's great, but, like, what do I do in the, while I'm waiting for that? Like, what does that actually mean? Um, I, again, I really appreciate the advice, but, like, what does that mean? And so I was praying for practical steps, um, and I think it's different for everyone in, in every situation where it feels like you're waiting for something. And so I was reading this book. It's called Outdated by Jonathan Pukluda. I don't know if I said that right. He's a Christian author, and um, it's basically just about dating in, um, in in this generation right now, and how different it was, how different it is now from back then. Um, And so some of these, again, are just practical steps for my life right now and for people in my. like in my situation, but again, they're going to be different for whatever people are waiting on in their life. Um, So some of these things I think people can relate to now, and it's God calls us to in the Bible. Um, So one is take an international trip once a year and share the gospel to the unreached areas of the world. Again, COVID kind of limits that. It's a a lot limited now, but that's something that you can do. Share the gospel in a secular workplace. Um, As we're going into accounting and finance, uh, that kind of world, it's God hasn't really talked about a whole lot in there. So using where God has placed us to share his gospel. Um, belong to a church. Make sure you get plugged in with a, a good Christian community. It's really important at our age to do that because, you know, as Andrew said, the world is crazy right now. And to find that Christian community is very important. Um, find like-minded believers to live in a community with, and that involves getting involved with the church. Um, getting trained in scripture that's something that's super important at any point in our lives is make sure that we know the bible Um, when you do have those conversations in the secular word make sure that you secular world make sure you know what you're talking about make sure that you're equipped with the bible with with bible knowledge Um, and I think this one's really important for anybody process all decisions in regard to how they give glory to God in everyday lives how can we Make this decision that glorifies God. Again, I think that's important for anybody, no matter single, married, waiting for that job, waiting for that relationship to be healed. Whatever it is you're waiting for, making sure that while you're waiting, the decisions that we are making are glorifying to God. Um, So these are just kind of ways that we know that that we don't have to waste time because we know that God doesn't waste time. So these are ways that we can make sure that we're following along and making sure that we are doing everything we can to take advantage of that time that God has us waiting. Um, So a little bit about me. Last summer, summer 2020, 2020 kind of sucked for a lot of people, um, if we're being honest. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And I I was one of those people. It was really hard. Um, It took a toll mentally, uh, my mental health was not great. Last summer I was living alone and didn't feel like I had anyone to turn to. Um, and kinda like what Luke was talking about earlier, how God just uses these times in our life to work the unexpected. I, God knows me better than I know myself. Yeah, we all, we all know that. Um, and I felt like I didn't have anyone to turn to. And I knew that if I was with someone at that time, if I was dating someone, I would want to turn to them instead of God, and because I didn't have anyone, I had to turn to God. Like Andrew was saying, we, like we turn to God most when we're in those valleys. I was in a valley and I had no choice but to turn to God. And he was working in my heart in ways that I had never known before, that I, didn't, I did not expect and that I would look back now and be very grateful for. Um, and so I've, I've prayed for years, God help, help me prepare my heart for my future husband. I don't, I don't know what that means. I mean, I know it sounds good, but I'm like, okay, how? it sounds like a prayer that I should be praying right now. But God heard that and that's how he's doing that. He's preparing my heart right now by making me wait and, and helping me learn all of these things and drawing me closer to him so that I am prepared for whenever I meet that person and how I can use all these things he's teaching me in my everyday relationships, in my friendships, in the classroom and in the workplace. How can I use these things I'm learning practically and how can I glorify God in my everyday life um, so yeah I just want to emphasize God doesn't waste time so we just have to make sure that we don't either um, just by waiting around so I just encourage everyone just take advantage of the time that you feel like you're waiting to spread glory for God
0: Thank you Sarah yes yeah <clears throat> So good. Both of their stories are so applicable. And so just a few things as we head out, as we uh, end our our time, our message. The first is we have got to to ride with others. We got to be with people. We got to be with the called out ones. You're doing a great job this morning by making the worship a priority. Of all the different things that you could be doing on a Sunday morning, playing golf, hanging out with your friends, eating brunch or whatever, you're here worshiping Jesus. That says a lot about you. Keep it up. Keep it up. Ride with others. Be with God's people as much as you can so that when we're not with God's people, we can reach the lost. The second thing is to share your comfort. Don't keep. When you go through crushing, when you go through moments of uncertainty and doubt and struggle, that is not wasted time either. God's wanting to take that time and redeem it and to, to use it to comfort someone else. Also, don't be so prideful as not to receive the comfort from someone else. You don't have to be the one that's always dealing out all the comfort. Sometimes you can be the broken one. Sometimes you can be the one that really, really needs help. And that is okay. I think we don't say that enough as a church. The last thing is to hold our plans loosely. That last part of our scripture is just so applicable to all of us right now. To say, hey God, these are my plans, but... If this isn't your best, please take it from me and give me something else. Please give me the, the, uh, my brother's friend's stepfather connection. Please give me the summer of isolation to, so I can get closer to you. Please give me what I need to grow. I think that that's a great thing to pray. So really what would happen? Let's dream a little bit. What would happen if all of us in this room, we took all these things that we've talked about this morning, this scripture we've dug into, and we really started to apply it in our everyday lives. If We started to realize and believe that God doesn't waste time. One of the things I think personally for me would happen is I I, I think I'd be a more patient person. I'm very impatient. I want things to happen in my time, and when they don't happen in my time, I get very antsy and frustrated. Anybody with me? Okay, I think so. If we're honest, we've all been there. I'm the worst at waiting. Patient people, though, if you think about the people in your life, are the most joy to be around. When you're talking to them, they're not thinking about the next thing that they have to do. They're not looking around the room looking at, oh, i got to clean that cobweb. i got to do this. i got to do that. They're looking at you. Because they're talking to you. And they are patient. They're waiting. They make you feel valuable. You can be that person too. I can be that person too. And we have a lot to work on, of course. Uh, We're not going to get all the way there until heaven. But let's get into that place of not being rushed. And know that God uses empty space for his glory over and over and over again. So let's, let's close in a word of prayer, and we'll, we'll sing our last song together. Uh, dear Father, thank you so much for this time where we can come and we can be together. We thank you that uh, you don't waste time. Uh, God, that's the greatest fear of my life, is I'm going to come to the very end of it, and I'm going to be wishing I would have done things a lot differently. But God, you're looking at my life uh, much differently. Uh, You see my life with purpose and meaning with every single thing that I do. God, you have a plan for my life and for everyone's life in this room. I pray that we would not only just know that, but that we would really, really trust and believe in that message today. Father, we love you so much. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.